Uh, okay, so let me jump into the message here. Today we uh, continue a series we've been in uh, called On the Shoulders of Giants. Uh, this is uh, a series that we're picking up. Uh, two years ago we, we kind of kicked this series off and we hit a few uh, Bible characters. And so we're picking that series up uh, and uh, hitting some more Bible characters. And, and really the, the concept of the series is this, uh, that, that we are where we are today because somebody went before us. Uh, so, so we are where we are because we got to stand on the shoulders of some giants who went before us. And we know that's true in life, but it's also true spiritually. We see it throughout the Bible. And we get the, our theme verse for the series comes from the uh, book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 1. It says this, therefore, which is referring to uh, the previous chapter, which, which we call the hall of faith, where the Bible lists out some heroes, some giants in the faith. And what's unique about these giants is that these giants are normal people. They're not angels. They're not part God. They're normal people like you and me who God did some extraordinary things through. And so that's kind of cool because we can resonate with that. They're normal people just like us, but they were used by God in a mighty way. Some did some amazing things. Others made some serious mistakes. Uh, but yet the Bible still lists them out as these giants, and we get to learn from them. So these are real people. So therefore, since we were surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... And the Bible talks about this, that we are surrounded by this multitude of witnesses in heaven. Those who have gone before us, the giants in the faith, your loved ones, and they're bearing witness to your life. Well, what are they watching? They're, they're, they're watching you live your life, and they're cheering you on while you do it. And uh, the Bible continues, what are they, what are they uh, cheering us on for? They're cheering us on to say, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. In other words, let's put off everything that is holding us back from what God's calling us to be. Because sin wants to come into your life and trip you up and take you down. So let us throw off anything that could, could allow us to stumble and let's run this race, the, the verse continues, with perseverance, the race marked out for us. We all have this life to live, a race to run. But in order to run it the right way, we're going to need some guidance along the way. We're going to need some shoulders and some giants to stand on, some examples to follow. So we get this series, kind of this idea from uh, the great John Maxwell wrote this book, Running with the Giants. And, and in his book, he just said, it's kind of like we're living this life, it's a race, and if we're surrounded by a great multitude of, of witnesses and giants in the faith, what, what would it be like if you could run the race by pulling down one of those giants and running a few laps with you? And, and learning from them, gleaning from them, getting some advice from them, learning from their mistakes, what would that be like? And so in this series, we're taking giants out of the stands and we're going to learn from their life and, and let them speak into our life as they run a few laps with us. So week one, we pulled down Samson from the stands, and we learned from him. We learned from his failures and that God's a God of second chances and that he loves you no matter your shortcomings, no matter your shortfalls. He loves you regardless. And then last week, we pulled down the legendary, the prophet Elijah down from the stands, and we learned from his experience in the victory, I mean, he had this great victory where he conquered, with God's help, 450 prophets of Baal. And then the very next verse, he's running for his life, contemplating suicide because of one lady named Jezebel. And we learned this, this dichotomy, this contrast. And we learned that when life seems like it's falling apart, choose to shake that off and let God be God. Let him do his thing. So today, we pick it back up. We pull down the next character, the next giant out of the stands. Today, we're going to learn from Jonah. Learn from Jonah today, all right? I love the response and reaction in the room. Okay, let's pray, 
and we'll jump into it. Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. Lord, may you speak to our hearts about this man, Jonah, in Jesus' name. Amen. Really, Jonah? Jonah? I mean, I know what you're thinking. Jonah, like, I don't, you don't even have to know the Bible to know that that's a guy who really messed up. Like, that's the guy who got swallowed by a fish. I don't even know the Bible, but I know this guy got swallowed up by a fish. Like, I mean, like society knows that. Really, we're going to hit Jonah today? Well, Jonah is known for his bad choices and for his rebellion, but what I love about God is that he uses the mistakes of people to teach us the greatest lessons of life. One, one applause. I'm going to do a little better, okay? I'm going to try a lot harder, okay? Got one. I'm going to go for more. Thank you. The pity ones. I love it. Thank you. Uh, those are my real friends. They know I need it. All right. We all make mistakes. We all make mistakes, don't we? Have you, have you made a mistake this weekend? Anybody? Let me ask your spouse. Ha, has your spouse made a mistake this weekend? Anybody? No hands. Wow. Really good. I got two hands in the back. All right. Um, now, <laughs> I know we make mistakes. We make bad choices. And so did Jonah. And here's what he would tell you, and here's the heart of the message is this. Remember that God always gives you a second chance. This is the life message for Jonah right here. So let's take a look at the story. We'll start in verse 1 of chapter 1. Jonah has his own book. Here we go. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amattiah. It's a, it's a fun name. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. Now, Nineveh was the capital, of, the capital city of Syria in biblical times. Today, this would be considered northern Iraq. And when he was heading towards Tarshish, Tarshish is off the coast of Spain. So God says, I want you to go northeast. And Jonah says, I'd rather go southwest. I'm going, I'm going in a totally different direction. You see, Jonah was headed as far away from where God wanted him to go as possible. Now, to a degree, I kind of understand this, because the people of Nineveh had a terrible reputation. They were evil people. They would terrorize the people of Israel. They would ravage their land. They were terrorists. They were brutal, pagan people. And God was asking this man, Jonah, go share with those people, those evil people, those brutal people people. And Jonah's like, nah, I'd rather go southwest. <laughs> so verse 3, he went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. One of the saddest verses in the Bible right there. He ran away from the Lord. The Lord sent a great wind on the sea. God's like, I'll show you. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to their own God. And they threw their cargo, thinking that was the problem, into the sea to lighten the ship. So they took it upon their own hands, pray to their own God, and throw their own belongings into the water. You see, every decision we make will cost us something. But let me take it a step further. Every wrong decision we make will cost other people something. It continues. But Jonah had gone below deck where he laid down and fell into a deep sleep. Isn't it interesting that some people can be totally unaware or even unaffected by the wrong decisions that they make. Meanwhile, everyone else is suffering the consequences. They're so unaware he slept like a baby, being out of the will of God. 
He was out of the will of God, living in rebellion. A storm comes on him, and he sleeps like a baby. You know, we make decisions for our lives, but the reality is the decisions really are making our lives. We think our decisions will make it, but the, that really is really what paves your way. It's, it's what will guide you. So the question I want to ask you today is this. Are the decisions that you are making today drawing you closer to God, or are they drawing you further away from God? Because you're making the decision. It's going to make your life. So those decisions that you're making, are they drawing you closer to God, or are they drawing you away from God? So back to the story. The sailors are freaking out. They're in trouble. They're afraid. Jonah wakes up from his beauty rest, and he takes responsibility for the circumstances that they all found themselves in. Jonah immediately knew, this is my fault. This is my fault. So if Jonah's running a few laps with us, here's the first piece of advice that he'd give us. Here's the first thing I want you to take notes and write down. He would say this, take responsibility for your bad choices. Take responsibility for your bad choices. So it continues in verse 12. Pick me up and throw me into the sea. <laughs> save your luggage, save your cargo, throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I tell you, once I get in that water, the storm's going to go away. I know this is my fault. That, this great storm has come upon you. It's all my fault. You see, in order to get to the right place where we should be, instead of being in the wrong place where we shouldn't be, we need to take responsibility for our actions. And this is what Jonah did. Instead of being in the right place, he was in the wrong place, so he needed to take responsibility so he can get into the right direction. Look at the book of Proverbs says in Proverbs 28, 13, a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. You work with a guy like that, he can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. Man, I'm thankful today that we serve the God of another chance. Anybody else thankful for that church? Okay, it's a little bit better. I feel like we're getting there. It's like 20%. We serve the God of another chance, that mess up, that failure, that big mistake that you made. There's another chance for you today. Don't let the enemy lie to you. There is another chance for you today. You did not blow it. It's not all gone. It's not all done. There is another chance for you today. But the key to receiving another chance is through confession and repentance. You see, if you are un according to this verse, if you are unwilling to confess your sin and you're unwilling to repent of your sin, I don't know if you're going to get a second chance. Because that verse right there said that's the key. And if you're unwilling, I don't know if you're going to get a second chance. So Jonah realizes this. He admits his faults. And they said, well, let's throw him off the boat. He said he wanted to go. It's his fault. Chunk him off the side. Now I want you to see something here. Jonah was in rebellion, and because of his rebellious attitude, his rebellious choices, God sent a storm to get his attention. You got to catch that, because here's some theology for you. I don't believe that every bad thing that happens to you is from the devil. The devil didn't send the storm, God did. And God sent it to get his attention, not to torture him, but to get his attention to wake him up. Maybe the storms of life are not an attack from Satan. Maybe they are a wake-up call from God. Someone needs to hear that today. Another thing about the storm is that it affected the people around Jonah. You see, when we make bad decisions, our bad decisions have 
consequences. This is what you teach your kids. And those consequences will always affect the people who are closest to you. So they throw Jonah off the boat because he took responsibility. But I want you to see here is that God had a plan for him, even in his rebellion. See, even when he was running from God, even when he was rebelling against God, God still pursued Noah. I'm sorry, Jonah. I don't know why I said Noah. Jonah. Maybe that's coming up. And he prepares a way back to himself. So, so God, even in Jonah's rebellion, God pursued Jonah. And he provided a way to get out of his rebellion. This is what's so great about God. I hope to teach you some great things about God today. Even when we are in crisis due to our bad decisions, God is right there ready to meet us in our crisis and provide a way out of our crisis. That's the God that we serve. This is the story of Jonah and his advice that he would give us on this first point is this. When you make a mistake, own it or it will own you. Okay, so he's taking a jog with us. That's the first piece of advice he gives us. Here's a second piece of advice. After take, your responsi- take responsibility for your, your bad choices, here's what he's saying next. Turn away from your bad choices. First you need to take responsibility. Now you need to turn. Another word for this, a Bible word, is repent. Repentance begins, catch this, on the inside. The outside follows. So let's pick up the story in Chapter 2, verse 9, what I have vowed, he says, I will make good. See, repentance is a choice that we must make for ourselves. And the book of Acts says it this way in chapter 3, verse 19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So when you repent, you are deciding to turn from your sin. And when you turn, you are turning your back on sin, and there's a refreshing that comes on you. There's a great um, NFL football player who won the Super Bowl with the greatest team in the NFL, the Green Bay Packers, (laughs) Bruce Wilkerson. He's now a pastor, okay? Like, like Packer fans are godly people. I don't know what to tell you, okay? (laughs) And he says this, Bruce Wilkerson says this about repentance. Repentance means you change your mind so deeply that it changes you. Now, any one of us can say, man, God, forgive me. God, I love you. I'm sorry I did that. I repent of that. Forgive me. I love you. But it's what you do after that prayer that really matters. Do you actually repent? Do you actually turn from your sin? You see, repentance is I am heading towards sin. I'm indulging in sin. God's not in the same direction. God's actually over here because sin is over here. So I have to, in order to pursue God, i got to turn my back on sin. I have to perform a 180, okay? i got to do this and turn my back on sin so I can pursue God. That's what Jonah does. He gets tossed off the boat, and God, in his rebellion, God had a plan for Jonah. And he sends a huge fish to swallow him alive. Now, beggars can't be choosers. That's just what God wanted to teach him, and it's, it's the goodness of God. He didn't allow other fish to eat him, and he didn't allow him to drown. He sent a big fish to save him. Now, I've heard it said that people have, hard, have a hard time believing that there is a big enough fish to swallow a human, which I think is just funny. Uh, and now, I would say to you, obviously, you've not seen the show River Monsters, first and foremost, okay? 
It's an amazing show. Uh, or you haven't been in the ocean and saw, I don't know, a giant whale, you know. Someone came to me between services and said during the 1800s, a person actually got swallowed by a whale and he lived to tell about it. So we know this is true. But, but I would just say this. I have the faith to believe that God is creative enough, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the creator of you. If he wanted to create a fish for Jonah in that moment, he can do that. And if you can't believe that, then your faith, faith in God is simply just not big enough. Maybe you need to expand your faith a little bit. And Jesus even verified this. Matthew 12, 40 says, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. See, Jesus even used this to prophesy what he was going to do after the cross. So God sent this huge fish to swallow Jonah to protect him. And it was in the belly of the fish that Jonah had a change of heart. He had a turning of a heart. It was his moment of repentance. Think about this. Sometimes it is in the middle of our consequences of our sin that we are led to a moment of repentance. And this is what happened with Jonah. It's in this moment that he, his heart physically turned towards God. You got to check this out. Because the heart turns first. And as soon as he was in the belly of the fish, he had a heart-turning moment. The fish physically turned and went to Nineveh. So his heart had to turn first, and then the physical action took place. Jonah repented, and then that fish headed northeast to the place that he did not want to go originally, to Nineveh. And then after three days, that fish, I love this, vomits him up on dry land. Verse 10, it says, and the Lord commanded, like God's like, just I'm in control here. He commanded the fish... And it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Okay, two things I just want to point out on this one thing right here. Okay, well, first thing is this. There are always consequences to your sin. Okay, this is the first thing I want to point out. There are always consequences to your sin. Vomited, like, like God vomited him the Jonah out of the fish's mouth. He, he vomited him onto, like God's like, I don't. Like, you see this in movies, like the tongue comes out, you know, and like Jonah could walk off or something, like clean, refreshed. No, he's like, I want you to dig deep fish, and I want you to vomit him out as disgusting as possible and throw him up on dry land. Like, there are always consequences to your sin. Okay, that's the first thing. Second thing I want to point out is this. God spit him up right where he needed to be. Like, as I was reading the story, I was thinking, God, why didn't you like, like, why not just like a mile offshore? Like, you're going to have to swim, buddy. You know, like, like you're going to have to swim. I want you to get tired. I want you to think about what you've done, sir. Go to your room, you know. I want you to think about it while you swim onto dry land. No, God had the fish spit him up right where he was supposed to be. This is the goodness of God. And this is where everything changed for Jonah. Here's what happens next, chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. A second time. You see, after Jonah had repented, God reminded Jonah of the call that was on his life. He said, I know I told you this before. You obviously have forgotten. I'm here to remind you of the call that's on your life. Here's what I love about God. God did not take the call on his life away. Instead, God found a way to help him through his mess. And once he was out of his mess, God put him on dry land and said, now that we went through that, i got to remind you, this is what I've called you to do. 
I have a plan and a purpose for you. It's still there. I've not forgotten it. I've not deleted it. I've not given it to somebody else. I created you for that plan and for that purpose, and I'm putting you on dry land. Go. Now, I don't know what mistakes you've made recently or maybe over your lifetime, but I'm here to remind you that there is a call of God on your life, every single one of you. And just because you're in a mess, just because you were in a mess, that does not take the call of God on your life away. God created you on purpose and for a purpose, and nothing will ever take that call away from you. No man, no sin. God came and he reminded Jonah of the call that was on his life. And I believe that God wants me to remind you today, there's a call on your life. And here's what I want to ask you. Do you remember what God has called you to do? Do you remember why God put you on this earth in this season, in this time? Why he puts you in Lake Travis, in Spicewood? Why did he call you to this place? There's a call of God on your life. And you owe it to God to figure out your purpose in this life. You owe it to yourself. And by the way, today after this service is Life Track. This is the whole point of Life Track is to help you to discover your purpose. If you don't know your purpose, we'd love to help you discover that. Stay after service and join us for Life Track, and we'll discover your purpose together. So the advice that he would give us on this point is this, and I love this right here. You got to catch this: sin and God are not in the same direction. Therefore, you have a choice which one you turn from. They're not in the same direction. You're going to have to turn your back to either sin or God. You choose which one. And when you choose sin, you're turning your back on God. All right, so we're going to take responsibility for our bad choices. We're going to turn away from our bad choices. Here's point number three as we're running with Jonah here. He says this, take in the grace of God. Taking the grace of God, Jonah 3, 3 says this, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. See, there was a calling on his life. And he finally decided to obey God and to take in the calling and begin to walk out the calling that God had on his life. There must come a moment in your life that after you mess up, you repent. But a lot of people, it stops right there. The next step is you actually have to walk in your God-given destiny, and you do that through this key word of obedience. So here's a simple question. Are you obeying God? Are you doing what he's asked you to do? Are you going in the direction that he has directed you to go into? It's not a hard question, but it's an honest one. Sometimes I just think we underestimate the power of God's grace. I'm thankful today for the grace of God. There was a man who lived many, many years ago in 1772. This man was, was sailing in the Atlantic Ocean from the coast of West Africa. He was sailing to the islands of the Caribbean. And this man had, had a ship full of slaves that he was transporting. And while he was en route, a storm came upon them, a storm so great that he thought he and everyone aboard the ship was going to die. And this brought this man to this sobering reality that when he died, that he would have to give an account for his sin and he would have to face the judgment of God he was a terrible person. He'd made a ton of mistakes. He was running slaves and 
indulging in sin, and now he's in this moment of desperation, facing this storm, facing imminent death, and he thought, God, I need you now more than ever. And he's quoted saying, woe is me, for I am a wretched man. And it was in this current situation that he found himself in, that he's processing his life and the mistakes he's made, and he's listening to the cries of the slaves down below in their shackles, and he begins to write this song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch Obviously, it was amazing grace. And if you listen to the song, continues in the second stanza, Newton writes that it was grace that taught my heart to fear. I mean, he's fearing the punishment of his sin, and it was grace that his fears were relieved. It was in the, the precious grace of God appeared to him standing in the face of this violent storm. He's writing the song. It was the moment he first believed. God saved him and all of aboard that day, but more importantly, spiritually, he got saved that day. He was reborn that day. Now, John would arrive back home, and instead of enslaving others and continue in this, he actually joined the fight against slavery and a fight to abolish slavery, which he had a hand in doing in the UK. They abolished slavery and later would spread to the US. So just like Jonah... John ran from his calling, but God is a God of second chances. And if God can save Jonah and John Newton, God can save you too. So let's take in the amazing grace of God today. So two, two takeaways from this point right here that I want to give you. First, don't let your bad choices define you. I see this all the time. I mean, what you did or what you didn't do, the mistakes you made, the mess up you had, it's not who you are. Your failure is not your identity. Quit identifying and defining yourself by the mistakes you've made in your past. You're not a screw-up. You're not a mess-up. You're not a failure. You're not the guy who always does wrong. Instead of that, we're going to define ourselves by who God says we are, not by what our failures deem we are. Romans 8.1 says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when God looks at you now, he doesn't look at the mistakes you made 
and see a terrible person. He now looks at Jesus because you have been redeemed. So that's my first thing. Don't let your bad choices define you. Here's the second thing just on this point. Don't let your bad choices disqualify you. I mean, think about it for Jonah. When he hit the land and God said, Jonah, I'm going to remind you of the calling on your life. I got a plan for you. And Jonah could say, you know, God, I've made some serious mistakes. I've done some wrong things. You should probably find somebody else. No, God came to him directly. You see, God wasn't looking at his disobedience. God was looking at his destiny and what he's calling him to. Some of us have taken so many detours in this journey of life that we've gotten lost. We don't know why we're called. We don't know our purpose. We're lost. And God comes to you today to tell you, I know exactly where you are. And I know exactly where I've called you to go. Just come to me and I will help you get back on track. Thank you. I'm just feeling it like one person. (laughs) This This is a world of emotions today for me. You see, if our, if our mistakes disqualified us, then God wouldn't have used Peter because Peter denied Jesus. If our mistakes disqualified us, God couldn't have used Paul, who wrote 13 books in the New Testament because, I don't know, he was killing Christians. But God takes imperfect people and uses them for his perfect will. That's the God we serve today. So Jonah would tell us on this point, obey God even if you don't agree and watch his grace guide you. All right, so Jonah's about to go up to the stands. We do this every week. He kind of turns around. This is how it goes on in my mind. And he says, hey, before I go back, remember a few things. Don't forget a few things. Here's the first thing he wants to remind us of. First, use God's word to guide you. The Bible is our guide for life. When politics and social issues come to the forefront of our society, We turn to God's truth to navigate us, not our thoughts and our feelings in the moment. Why? Because, I don't know about you, but our thoughts and feelings change over time. (laughs) You grow, you mature, things happen to you, life experiences, your thoughts and your feelings change. The word of God never changes. Look at the world we live in. We are lost and confused because we have thrown this away. We've thrown the word of God away and we've turned to our feelings to guide us through life instead of the word of God. Well, the word of God will guide us for what's best for our life. That's what he does. He gave us the word to guide us through life. And the word, it protects you. It guides you. It doesn't limit you. The best place to be is in the center of God's will. And it is in the center of God, God's will. And we get there by using the Bible to get us there and to keep us there. And that's the best place to be. So commit yourself to studying the Bible. Commit yourself to the Word of God. When was the last time you picked up the Word of God and you read it? I'd encourage you to make this part of your daily routine, your daily devotional. Maybe you do want to listen to it on an audio book or something like that while you're in the car, but get the Word of God inside of you. We even have someone who said, hey, I just want to underwrite all the Bibles. I'll give $1,000 every quarter so you guys have enough Bibles for the whole church. So if you want a Bible, someone's already bought it for you, okay? Just stop at the bookstore, pick one up. We want this. This is the most important thing we can do is get this inside of you, okay? That's the word of God. So that's what he's saying. Don't forget, don't forget to use God's word to guide you. Here's the second thing he says, don't forget. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. See, God gave us the spirit of God to guide us 
in this life, Jesus said, it's better that I go because there's someone who's going to come in my place. It's the Holy Spirit. John 16, 13, it says, but when we, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. That's what the spirit does. Guides us into truth. Keeps us out of trouble. You see, when you need wisdom and direction, it's the Holy Spirit that gives it. Do you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you? And the one thing I've discovered is that the Spirit of God will always line up with the Word of God. They're never in disagreement with each other. They're each part of God. The first place to check if you're hearing the voice of God for your life is by going to the Word of God. You have a Holy Spirit encounter or an expression of some sort, go to the Word of God. Does it line up with the Word of God? The Holy Spirit, I love, it has so many roles. The Bible clearly states all the roles of the Holy Spirit. And one of them is to guide you. So if you need wisdom today, you're facing a big decision, a life decision, ask the Holy Spirit for direction. Ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom. And the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of you will give you that which you are asking for. Another name that the Bible calls the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is our comforter. So when you're, you're in time of trouble, time of hurting, ask the Holy Spirit to come and comfort you today. And the Holy Spirit will come and bring peace and joy and comfort to your life. And I just got to tell you, I'm up here every single week. I'm nothing without the Holy Spirit. I fully believe every week the Holy Spirit will speak through me. I'm not this wise. I'm not this educated. I'm not this, uh, I don't have a great speech. You know, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to speak to you. And there's something that I'm going to say, and that happens every week. Hey, you said this. I don't even remember saying it. I might not have even said it. The Holy Spirit spoke it to your heart, and you heard that. So I'm praying every week that the Holy Spirit speaks through me to you, but I am nothing without the Holy Spirit. Every decision, every thought, every action that I make is filtered through the Holy Spirit. Every decision we make as a team is led by and filtered through the Holy Spirit. Every morning I wake up, Holy Spirit, fill and empower me today with your spirit. Every morning. So he's going to say to us, Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Here's a third thing before he heads back up to the stands. He says this, seek godly counsel. Seek godly counsel. Like find mature, seasoned in the faith, godly people who, who have character, who, have, who, are, who are proven, who are proven over time. And I find it so fascinating. I see this with so many people. They're facing a big decision for their life. So they go to someone Who's going to tell them what they want to hear? Like they go to a yes man, you know, like I want to hear this. I'm going to go to the person who I know is just going to tell me what I want to hear. And if they don't go to that person, they, they go to someone else. They, they go to a friend who, whose life is in a mess and they'll seek their jaded counsel. Like, like someone who you would never trade places with in life. Like you see their life, you don't want their life at all, but yet you're willing to take their counsel for your life. This is the kind of decisions that people make. See, godly counsel will not give you their opinion. Man, they're always going to point you to the word of God and pray that the Holy Spirit will guide you. That's what godly counsel will do. And we have a ton of godly counsel in this room and at this church. If you're looking for a mentor, you need some counsel, come and talk to us. We'll help you. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise, and that's what you will become. You'll become wise. Then what you keep hanging out with, who you're hanging out with, you're going to suffer harm. Because you're hanging out with some fools. And it's only going to lead you to a foolish lifestyle. The story of Jonah is a story of second chances. Remember, I said it in the beginning, but even when we mess up, God is a God of second chances. 
I want to close with this story. I'm reminded um, of this man who, who messed up greatly. He made some bad decisions, and instead of wallowing in his pity, he chose to do something about it. I want to tell you the story. It's a true story of a man named Eric Smallridge. In 2002, he was made a dumb decision. He was driving drunk, and he crashed into another car, killing the two women that were in the car, Megan Naper and Lisa Dixon. Eric was a non-believer. He was in a tough place in life. He was convicted of manslaughter. He was facing a minimum of 20 years in prison at age 24, 10 years for each while in prison, before his sentencing, he heard the gospel message. Somebody gave him a Bible, and he was thinking to himself, man, God doesn't want anything to do with a, a person like me. I've made some mistakes. So the chaplain heard about him and went and shared the gospel with him, and he decided to accept Jesus there in prison. He turned his life around, and he, in that moment, decided to live for God. He wanted to get right before God and get right with his victims and the families. So he does just that at his sentencing. Three years later, he breaks down. I even watched the video. He breaks down. He's uncontrollably weeping, and he takes full responsibility for his actions. And the mother of Megan, her name is Renee. Renee turns to him and says, we forgive you. It's a pretty amazing story. But it goes on. Three years later, the families of the victims actually go before a judge to petition on his behalf for a congruent sentence, which means he only has to serve one of those sentences, not both of them back to back. The judge claims that he's never seen anything like this before and he grants the family's wishes. Eric served 11 years instead of a minimum of 20 because of the families of his victims. That's not where the story ends. Here's the crazy part. Eric now travels with Renee, the mother of Megan, the mother of the girl he killed. He now travels around the country going school to school warning students about drinking and driving. Eric went to every single family member of these two girls and he asked for their forgiveness. And now they treat him like family. They do life with him. And they worked together to eliminate drinking and driving. He did everything that he could to make up for his mistakes, to right his wrongs. He took responsibility. He served his time. He asked for forgiveness. And now he spends the rest of his life making sure his life means something. I would say that he is walking in his purpose because God gave him a second chance. I don't know where you find yourself at today. You might have made some mistakes in life. You might have messed up. But Jonah, John Newton, and Eric Smallridge are all examples of the grace of God that gives us second chances. Remember, even when you mess up, God we serve is a God of second chances. Would you close your eyes? I want to pray for you. Just as you are in this moment, just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Maybe he wants to say something through this message and through this word today, through the life of Jonah, maybe one of these stories. Just ask the Holy Spirit, what would you say to me in this moment?
Father, we thank you that you are the God of another chance. You are the God of a second chance. You are the God of the one more time. You're the God of the do-over. God, thank you, Lord, that you have a plan and a purpose for every single person in this room and watching online. God, I thank you, Father, that the callings of God are irrevocable. Nobody can take it away from you. There's a call of God on your life. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that the mistakes we've made and the sin we've participated in will not disqualify us because what you have spoken into existence will come to fruition. And I declare that over everyone today. And I want to close like I always do. I want to pray for you if you've never made a decision to trust Jesus. I just feel like there's someone in this room today that just, they've made some mistakes and it's time to give their life to Jesus. They've tried it on their own. It hasn't worked. And today, God's speaking to you. You feel a little tug on your heart. God's asking you, will you come to me? I want to pray for you today. If you've never made a decision to trust Jesus, you've never given your life fully to him, or maybe you've just been living like crazy, and today you want to come back to Jesus. I want to pray for you if that's you today. I just want you to pray this prayer to God. Say, God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin. And today I receive Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. Today I turn from my sin. I repent of my sin. And I run to you, God. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that he gave his life for mine. And I'll spend the rest of my life living for him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Quick clap and celebrate those who prayed that prayer.